0: Amen. And we are the church family. And we're glad to be here to be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We left the Apostle Paul last week, last time we were together, and he was not being treated very nicely. We're going to pick that up. Today I want to talk about our powerful testimony. You have a testimony. I have a testimony. We all have a testimony. And it's something that really can't be refuted, debated. Are discussed by other people, perhaps, because it's ours and it's personal. Look with me, if you will, the 21st chapter of Acts. I will begin reading at verse 30. The whole city was aroused. People came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, He ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Get rid of him! What's that have to do with your testimony? Glad you asked. (laughs) You see, the Temple Mount area where the temple is located was constructed in such a way that it would only allow Gentiles to come into the very outer court. The next two courts were reserved for Jewish women and Jewish men. Then there was that inner court where priests would assemble. But the non-Jews were not allowed to go beyond a certain point or risk their death. They had seen Paul with another person by the name of Trophimus from Ephesus. So it makes you think that some of these Jews who had traveled into the area to celebrate Pentecost uh, that recognized Trophimus were probably Ephesian uh, Jewish people. And so there are three things that you're going to see here about our testimony. Number one, you're going to seize the opportunity when God presents it, you will seize it. So many of us uh, have pondered about why we're not able to talk to some other people about jesus christ perhaps we see somebody else who is very active in in sharing their faith in sharing their testimony with somebody else and yet we are unable to do so for some reason we can't figure it out perhaps maybe we're not really looking for the opportunity to do so you see this uh, antonia fortress was at the northwest corner of the temple And Herod the Great was the one that had commissioned the building of this fortress. It had four towers on each side of this fortress, and it literally joined into the temple. It was there to quell any riot that would break out in Jerusalem. The one thing that the Roman Empire would absolutely not tolerate was civil unrest. They wouldn't wouldn't tolerate it at all, and so this Antonia Fortress at the northwest corner of the temple was one that could house as many historians tell us as a thousand Roman soldiers. And so there were two sets of steps going down these barracks into this temple area. It was connected to the outer courts of the temple by these two flights of stairs. And yet, when they heard the disturbance down in the temple area, the commander came down with soldiers And they basically rescued Paul. He was being beaten. And of course, they desired to beat him to death. They didn't want him around any longer. When they kept shouting, get rid of him, they wanted Paul not just physically removed, but physically removed from planet Earth. And so they were uh, in that mindset. Now Paul sees the opportunity As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? And obviously he spoke to the commander of the Roman army there in Greek. And so it surprised the Roman commander. He said, Do you speak Greek? He replied, Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Well, when Paul asked to address the crowd, this commander assumed that he was that Egyptian leader of this terrorist group. Uh, ancient historians will say that it was around AD 54 where this Egyptian leader led some 4,000 men to revolt against the Roman government. And these were guys that were were schooled into the act of terrorism they would conceal daggers in their cloaks and would kill people to strike fear in both the jewish people and to overthrow the roman government so these were not uh very kind people if you want to say it Uh, the 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 riot or revolt was uh put down almost immediately and yet this, Roman, this Egyptian leader escaped all of that, and this uh, commander just assumed that Paul was this guy that had come back to Jerusalem. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? So Paul is addressing the crowd. He addresses this particular man. He says, "'I am a Jew.'" I'm from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. And then he received the commander's approval, permission, and stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. He motioned that they be quiet, and finally they were quiet. So when you share your testimony, speak their language. Speak their language that's not always easy to do we come across people in our country that we don't speak their language they may be speaking some form of english that we don't understand they may be street people that we don't understand they may come from cultures or our neighborhoods or backgrounds that we don't understand but try to find that common ground and speak their language you speak their language and then there he began to give his testimony to the jewish people now Anytime I take a team overseas on a mission trip, or anywhere else on a mission trip, I always ask them to write down their testimonies. Your testimony should be no longer than three minutes. Some of us can drone on forever. But keep the testimony brief to about three minutes. And there are three elements to every testimony. my life, What my life was like before I came to know Jesus Christ how I came to know Jesus Christ, and what my life has been like since. So when you share your testimony, you know it's very personal, very intimate, very uh, appropriate for you. And so that's what we have. God has given each and every one of us our testimony. He says in verses 2 through 5, this is my life before I met Jesus. He motioned to them, to the crowd, to be quiet. And when they were all silent, finally, he said to them in Aramaic, their language, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. And here's his testimony I am a Jew. I'm one of you. I'm just like you. Not only that, I was born in Tarsus of Cilicia but I was brought up in this city. As a young boy, I ran the streets of Jerusalem. I was raised right here. I'm part of you. You know who I am. These people from outside of Jerusalem that were creating such a disturbance with the mob uh, did not know this background. And so he says, I'm, just, I'm like one of you. I was raised in this city. I'm Jewish. I studied under Gamaliel. Gamaliel. There was no rabbi that was more respected in Jerusalem and in its environs than Gamaliel, the teacher. He was one that was so well versed in Mosaic law, in the law of Moses, that as he instructed them, no one would even question him. Gamaliel was so well respected Paul said I'm a Pharisee I was a Pharisee I studied under Gamaliel I know the law one of the charges against the Apostle Paul was that he was teaching people not to obey the law he wasn't doing that at all he was teaching them that the law had been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and so he says I was trained under the greatest of all the Uh, rabbis perhaps ever known I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors then he says I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today I was I would have been right there with you in mob action he is implying I would have been right there with you and he continues on by saying I persecuted the followers of this way the early Christian church was called the way. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way. Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know where you're going? And what is the way? I am the way. Jesus responded. And so he is saying that I persecuted the followers of this way, the followers of Jesus Christ, to their death. I arrested both men and women, threw them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. This Sanhedrin, this council of 70 men, commissioned me to be the person that I was, to be the zealot that I was, to be as, as zealous for executing the law against the Christians as anyone else. I was their main man. Then he continues on by going, he said, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people what people the followers of Jesus as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished that's who I was what about you what was your life like before you met Jesus Christ I'm sure there's some of you here today and and some that are, are following us perhaps online that would have to say you know I don't think Jesus could take me for what I've done I haven't been a good man. I haven't been a good woman. I have done things in my life that I'm, I am sorry for, sorrowful for, that I have done things in my life that, that I won't even admit publicly that I don't think God can forgive me for the things that I've done. I just don't believe that His grace extends that far. Paul said, let me tell you something. I'm murdered in the name of Jesus. I killed people who are good people, in the, name of, in the name of God. I've done these things, not in the name of Jesus, but in the name of God. I've done these things. I And some of you out there, perhaps watching this sermon or listening to this message, understand that you have done things that are so heinous that you absolutely could not admit to in any public forum. And yet the Apostle Paul said, look what I've done. I don't think what you, who you are in this mob revolt can even come close to what I've done. Share your testimony. Your life, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Now, some of you may be like me in in the sense that I was raised in a strong Christian home. I, you know, I didn't have those things, those those bad uh, experiences before I came to know Jesus Christ. I was eight years old when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And I knew that I had sinned and come short of the glory of God. I didn't, it was that moment in time. Everyone has to have that moment in time where you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Even Nicodemus, that that great leader of the Jewish faith. Jesus says, you must be born again. There must be a a time in your life when you have stopped, you have admitted to God that I am a sinner. I have uh, gone against your will, O Lord and I'm asking you to forgive me and come into my life and make me what you want me to be in that confessional prayer. There has to be that one time in your life where that occurs. So as you go through that in your own heart and mind, what was that moment? Some of you may be like Lydia, may be like the Ethiopian eunuch. Some of you are like that in the sense that it wasn't a dramatic conversion experience like the Apostle Paul had, but you had that experience you had an experience maybe it was at a camp maybe it was in your living room maybe it was out in the in the your vehicle as you're driving along whatever the case might be you come to that place where this is what my life was like before i came to know jesus christ and point number two this is what my life this is how i came to know jesus this is how i met him paul said in verse six and following about noon as i came near Damascus suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me Saul Saul why do you persecute me who are you Lord I ask I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting he replied my companions Paul said "saw the light but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me What shall I do, Lord, I ask? Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law, and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Wow. That's how he met Jesus. How did you meet Jesus? When did you meet Jesus? Where were you when that happened? If you say, I don't know, or I don't have an experience like that, maybe you need to get that thing rectified today. Ask Jesus to come into your life. There should be a moment in time where you have trusted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior I didn't inherit him I had godly mother and dad it, didn't, it wasn't in my DNA it wasn't in my uh, inheritance it wasn't my faith wasn't because of their faith it's because I personally received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior Amen. now that's how he met Jesus so what was his life like since he believed in Jesus? Wow. He says in verse 14 through 16, Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know His will, to see the righteous one and to hear His words from His mouth. You will be His witness to all the people of what you have seen and heard. And now what, you're, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. Now, we're baptized to show our public identity with Jesus Christ. I don't believe the Scripture says it's necessary for salvation. The thief on the cross was not baptized. He didn't have to get down off the cross and, and be immersed. But, because Jesus said, this day, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And yet, I do believe that it's necessary for public identity with Jesus Christ. There's no secret disciples, folks. It's time for all of us to stand up and understand that it is through Christ Jesus that we have life abundant and eternal. And because of that, I'm willing to demonstrate my love for Him publicly by following Him in baptism to symbolize the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I am buried with Christ into His death. And like Christ, I have been raised to walk in a new lifestyle, in a new walk. That's what baptism symbolizes. So Jesus told him to get up, be baptized, call on his name. Wow. Well, he saw Jesus. This had to infuriate him because as far as they were concerned, he was dead. And if you remember the gospel account, when the body was found, uh, Jesus was found not to be in the tomb, the, the Jewish leaders got together and said, let's start a rumor. Let's say that the disciples stole his body and now are trying to claim that he is alive. Well, Paul said, I spoke to him. He's alive. Amen. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart today. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, he's alive. And then what did he say? God gave him that responsibility. He says in verse 14, You're appointed to know my will, to see the righteous one. He saw Jesus and to be his witness. That's what your mission is, and it's not impossible. It is possible for those of us that believe to be his witness. How are we his witness? We share our testimony. What do you mean? Share what Jesus Christ did for you. Share what your life was like before. Share how you came to know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, change, and share how he has changed your life ever since. Do you know Jesus? Share him. Admit him. Understand that you have been sent into a lost and dying world to be God's witness. Amen. Wow. And then thirdly, leave the results to God. The Bible says in verses 17 through 21, Paul says, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, These people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. You know what successful witnessing is? Clearly defined... It is simply sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Oh, we will argue. Oh, Lord, I'm not finished here. I have have to speak to that person one more time. And sometimes God says, no, I'm sending you out. You're to sow the seed. You're not responsible for its growth. You're only responsible for sowing it. The seed, the soil, is the responsibility of the person receiving the seed. They can either receive it or not. So leave the results to God. Some of us have difficulty doing that. We want to revisit it time and time again. Sometimes when God sends us to a certain field of ministry or mission, we need to understand that when God removes us from that area, He does it because our work in that field may be over and yet God will continue to allow that seed to grow well at first Paul debated with the Lord he wanted to convince the Jews that he was the new man Jesus was the Messiah and is still alive have you ever had that situation with family and friends and maybe you've come from a really really tough background and in that background of yours, maybe there's been a abuse in your background. Maybe there's been uh, either psychological, physical, or whatever the case might be. Or maybe there is something in your life as an adult uh, that you're not proud of. And you want to stay there and convince everybody else that you are a new person. God says, you've got to leave the results to me. I ask you to go to be faithful in giving your testimony, to be in a witness of me, that I'm still alive, I'm still speaking to you, I'm still involved and engaged in your life. Leave the results to me. Now go, Paul. And Paul finally relented and left Jerusalem. I think some of us get so bullheaded at that particular point that we have a hard time understanding the sovereignty of God, the nature of God. God. When God gave the Great Commission, when Jesus gave this Great Commission to the disciples, he said, Go you therefore, go. Two-thirds of the word God is go. You, you can't do certain things if you stay where you are. You can't reach your destination if you fail to go. You can't see what God is accomplishing if you stay and argue with him about where you need to serve. And so Paul argued at first And then relented and repented and left. And God took him to the non-Jewish world. And the rest, as they say, is history. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today? This is what the question is. Get up. Go into Damascus. What is God calling you to do? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know what God is doing in your life? Are you willing to turn it over to Him for His purpose? You're here this morning, maybe you're looking for a church home. we got a great church family. And I just am awed by the fact that God has sent so many wonderful people to our church family. We're you know we see a a packed house almost every Sunday and it's a wonderful blessing and yet there are so many others that had need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that that are in our community in our families in our neighborhoods and we just simply need to go and share our testimony did I tell you what my what happened to me one time years ago maybe it was months ago maybe it was days ago can I share what Jesus has done in my life Can I give you a fresh testimony? Wow. Let me just tell you what the Lord has done. Maybe you're here. You're looking for a church home. We have a great place for you. Maybe you're looking to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about the Lordship of, of Jesus this past Wednesday in our study of 2 Peter. And the comment I made was you can't say Jesus is Lord if you're not willing to allow Him to be complete. Control over every aspect of your life. Not everyone who says to me, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And so you may be falling into that former category that just simply calls on the name of the Lord when it's convenient. But you're not willing to do anything obediently to follow him. So this invitation is for you, for each and every one of you. Won't you stand with me as we pray? Our most gracious Father, we do praise you, and we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord God, I thank you for the decisions being made even now. Be with us, Lord Jesus, as the Spirit of God flows through our hearts, works on our minds, convicts us, Lord, encourages us, rebukes us, exhorts us, teaches us, intercedes for us. Lord, thank you. So be with us today. May we honor you through these decisions being made. And I want to thank you for each and every one of them. Father, thank you for the joy and the privilege of serving you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing the hymn of invitation, I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord has laid on your heart, won't you see?